Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. Here it is, Monday, July 19th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. The offseason, we have movement. The Flyers have acquired former Predators defenseman Ryan Ellis in exchange for Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick, who was then sent to Las Vegas, in exchange for Cody Glass. And the Flyers have uh, answered their need at the top pairing right side, right shot defenseman. And they get a good one in Ryan Ellis. Expansion draft lists are out. Tons to get to on this episode. So let's get right to Bill Meltzer, who joins us from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And, Bill, we've got movement in the offseason. Ryan Ellis is a flyer. Your initial thoughts? My initial thought is that uh, Ellis checks a lot of the boxes the flyers are looking for. Um, Right-handed, right-side defenseman. Eats a ton of minutes on um, five-on-five, power play. Penalty kill, good at all of the above. Pretty good wheels. Uh, very good puck mover. Make, you know, makes an excellent first pass. Can join the play up ice. Um, he can, he can join either first or second power play unit. Uh, you know, as, as you need him to. Uh, so there's there's your partner for Ryan Provorov. You have cost certainty with him. Um, you know, you're trading off term for for, for a reasonable cap it. I mean, he did just turn thirty. So he is signed for six more years. That's, that's a lot of term, and there's there's some injury concerns. But I think when you when you weigh all the pluses and minuses, there's a, there's an awful lot to like about the player the Flyers got. And depending on how things go in the expansion draft, actually there's there's an avenue where the Flyers could actually by Wednesday actually have more cap space than they started with even before the Ellis acquisition, and already have that number one item on the offseason to-do list checked off, which would, uh, and you know, that would give them a lot of flexibility to do, to address other needs for the team. Plus, they have all their, their draft picks for this year, including the 13th overall, so that's a lot of flexibility too, to potentially be able to, uh, make, uh, to make other moves that either create more cap space or, or fill other needs for the team. So I think they, I think in terms of what the Flyers set out to do, they, they checked a big item off the list and got a, got a very good hockey player. Yeah, and as you pointed out on Twitter as well, and one less RFA contract now to get signed as well because Nolan Patrick, his uh, deal was up, and he will need to be assigned to a new uh, restricted free agent contract as well. Um, Bill, let, let's just talk about Ryan Ellis real quick. Uh, you know, playing with Nashville, they've done such an incredible job. I, I don't know of a team in the NHL uh, – that I can really think of in my lifetime that's produced so many good D. Let's not forget Seth Jones came out of that system. Let's not forget Shea Weber came out of that system. Roman Yossi, uh, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, David Poyle's got an eye for defense and developing it, and he's another one in the list now, Ryan Ryan Ellis, and he moves on here to, to Philadelphia. Um, you know, he has the injury history, uh, but when you look at the player and the fit alongside Ivan Provorov, that's a part of the equation as well. How do you see these two matching up, complementing each other's games? I think that the I, I think that both of them are intelligent hockey players. Ellis is a very savvy player, um, so he can he can think the game at a pretty high level, and there's a predictability with him too. Um, you know, Provorov's not going to have to guess where he is at a particular time. He's a good communicator. He's a take charge, leadership, calm things down type. So I think he's the guy that Provorov is going to very much enjoy playing with. 
will, will thrive playing alongside. And also, you're able to slot your all three defensive pairs in a much better way than they were this past season. Really, it's something they've lacked since Matt Niskanen. One of the, the biggest things with Niskanen was that, uh, you know, it's not that he's a superstar. It's not that he, he's a Norris Trophy candidate. But he was the right fit for the team um, in terms of the situations he could play in, in terms of his fit with Ivan Provorov, and in terms of the ability, the matchups you could slot him in, um, and that, therefore, you go, you trickle on down the second and third pairs, you give them more ideal matchups for those guys. So it's, uh, you know, uh, it, it'll have an effect on the entire blue line. Um, he'll, he'll be good for, for young guys coming up, like, like a Cam York. I mean, there, there's just, there's just a, a lot of things to like about Ryan Ellis. Um, yeah, you, you did mention the injury history, and I brought this up in, in my blog today. And I'm not, I'm not comparing players here because there's only one Mark Howe, you know. But when, if you were ever going to shy away from a player due to injury concern, um, you know, just, just a little history lesson here that, that when, before the Flyers got Mark Howe, he was 18 months removed from one of the most serious on ice accidents there ever has been in the NHL. Mark Howe got impaled on the, the stake. Yeah. It was in the back of the net. And he almost, I mean, within a half an inch, almost got paralyzed. Um, lost about 25 pounds, and he had, a, by his season, by his standards, rather, a poor season the next year. That's why Hartford made him available in the first place. If you were ever going to shy away from a, a player due to injury history, there were, there, you know, and getting, getting onto his latter 20s by that point, you know, I mean, but yet, the Flyers made the deal. They traded who was their leading scorer at the time. It's a different situation here, you know, and, and they got the best defenseman in team history. Um, you know, uh, Eric Desjardins missed his fair share of time in Philadelphia due to injuries, including an ACL tear, but had his best years in his thirties. So I, you know, and Kimo Timmy came here at age 32. So I'm not, yeah. the age doesn't scare me. And he, and you know, you're talking about a, a player who's never had something that I would consider a career threat type of injury and in fact if you, if you look at how Ellis played down the stretch and in the playoffs against Carolina uh, he played better than he did in certainly in February he was was not very good this past February but he looked like he looked pretty much like himself again by by the time he was back for the end of the season the playoffs so you know as long as as long as Ellis is reasonably healthy and you have him at the most important times of the year that's what really matters if he misses five games a year ten games a year you know it's not ideal but you, you can work with it other you know, the guys like Shea Weber seem to miss some time too. It's just, uh, you know, for some players, that's just that's just part of part of the give and take of what of what you take on. But I mean, I, I think that uh, it, it's a big first step on addressing the blue line as a whole. I think I think there's at least another addition to come. Though. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, they get this done. I mean, if you listen to the episode on Friday, you and I both talked about it, that this was the target. <laughs> and uh, we didn't know it was going to happen uh, less than, uh, uh, you know, just about 24 hours later of the release of Friday's podcast. But uh, that things had shifted and, and Ryan Ellis and, and and this goes way back. This goes back to trade deadline when I, I they believe they were talking to the Nashville Predators and you know, Chuck mentioned that, that, you know, these conversations and these kind of deals take time, and this one did. Let's talk about what went the other way. Uh, they send Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick, who then gets flipped uh, to Las Vegas in short order to be alongside his general manager uh, from the Brandon Weekend Kings, Kelly McCrimmon. And uh, going to uh, Nashville is Cody Glass, a former fifth overall pick of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, but the loss of the two players, and I think this is the reason why a lot of Flyers Twitter is happy. Um, Phil Myers did not have a good year last year. He's got a ton of upside. He was an undrafted player. 
a lot of athleticism, doesn't think the game particularly well on occasion. That's going to have to uh, come along with his development. And Nolan Patrick, uh, as a number two overall pick, was uh, obviously disappointing with the injuries and uh, his performance this year with a minus 30 and uh, seemed like he had some compete level issues as well. Uh, were you shocked that they were able to, to get Ryan Ellis and give up what they gave up and you still have that 13th pick intact? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess from a Nashville point of view, they did get two young uh, NHL roster players, ultimately Glass, you know, the, the other piece of it. Um, that, that's a that's a pretty valuable commodity in today's NHL, too, apart from draft pick assets. If you can get young players for guys who are 30 or older on long-term deals. So that I remember, you know, many times, you know, for example, Ron Hextall was general manager. He said, you know, teams are all the time calling us and offering us guys in their late 20s or early 30s, and they always want our young players. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. So there, there is value in doing that. Um, you are getting two guys who have a lot of athleticism and physical ability. Uh, as you said, with, with Phil Myers, listen, you have, Phil Myers is an NHL defenseman. I don't know where he's going to slot ultimately it's on, on you know, in a depth chart. In uh, Nashville, he doesn't have to be at the top. I mean, the Flyers this year for a portion of the season tried him up top with Ivan Provorov, where they had him in the second pair with Travis Sanheim. They have the luxury of bringing Myers along where, you know, if he plays in your third pairing, that's fine. Uh, second pairing right side. I mean, they have a, they have a very good, I mean, if you look at, if you look at their expansion, draft, look at how many defensemen they protected. Yeah. It's just wild. They actually protected uh, five defensemen, three forwards there. So they have, they have a deep D um, kind of gave them, you know, it kind of gave them the leeway to be able to make a move. You get two young players from experience one, but from a flyer standpoint, you know, um, I mean, we've talked about we've talked about uh, Nolan Patrick's struggles, not just not just in terms of health wise, but just in terms of the level of assertiveness of his play and the, the compete level. And you know, and I and I believe I believe we did a podcast where we both agreed that you know I didn't feel necessarily comfortable with counting on Nolan Patrick to have a breakout year because a, a large number of his issues over his first two seasons before the health. Yeah, before all the health concerns with the migraines, were was similar where he would not be where he'd get into a comfort zone, he'd be a perimeter player, and he wouldn't be very effective for twenty games at a time. And then he'd get hot for a while because he was you know, he doing not just not just some subtle things well, but actually the bigger thing, uh getting more involved, being more sort of making plays, and then he would fall back into the other pattern before for an extended period of time. And that that didn't change. That was that's been really the case with him all three seasons. So if he if he thrived in um, Vegas, which has a lot of older players, and uh, you know having moved on, he doesn't necessarily have as much weight in the shoulders of having been a second overall pick. Um, you know now it's, it's really Patrick for Glass, and they're going to get judged against each other. So I mean, if uh, if no one thrives in in uh, Vegas, good for him. You know, yep. I, I don't know that was going to happen here. And uh, as a, as you know, if you look at in terms of the system as a whole, the Flyers still have all of their picks. They still have a lot of youth on the team. Konechny is still there. Joel Farabee is still there. Morgan Frost is still there. Tyson Forster is still there. Uh, on, on the back end, you still have Cam York there. Zamola. You have all of your picks this year. All yep. of your picks. So you have a, you have a lot of young assets too, even though you, even though you dealt you dealt two young players. So I think that 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 worked out for Philly. 
Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, leaves them in a good position. Uh, Bill, you and I both believe, and a lot of people believe, that this is this is the first move. It's an important move because it checked the number one box, and we're going to get to Twitter questions in a moment. Uh, but it checked the number one box that they needed to accomplish, which was top pairing, right side, right shot D. They got that taken care of. Now they have created a bit of a hole in that second pairing with the departure of Myers and by proxy a little bit too, uh, the three C position, which was something that they'd hoped Nolan Patrick would excel at. So they have those two areas now uh, to deal with as well, including the backup goalie position. Uh, what do you see as uh, you know the next uh, kind of things that Chuck needs to take care of here to ultimately move the ball even further forward. I think that the next steps, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the goaltender being of course a piece in this, but they're, they're all going to be done for the most part with the purpose of continuing to lower the team's goals against that. Yeah. That's going to be becoming a better two way team, harder to play against in general. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, Chuck Fletcher said the other day, we, they didn't defend well, but the other issue was that they defended too much. So you want guys who are going to win a lot of puck battles, who are going to you know, uh, help the team have more puck possession. That's a piece of it. You want to have more grit, a little more physicality. Uh, the, the only thing really that, uh, that Ryan Ellis doesn't bring is size. So I, I think and you, lo- you do lose size and mobility with uh, with Myers, although, although Ellis, can, Ellis is a good skater in his own right. But you you definitely lose a lot in size and, and you know some in physicality too, so I think I think one of the key next moves is going to be um, another, preferably I think right-handed right-side defenseman who has size and, and a physical edge of his game can can move the puck decently, but is just a, a reliable guy in, in his own end of the ice and can can gel well with a Travis Sanheim. Uh, now Sanheim, you do have the luxury of potentially moving him to the right side if you do get a left side guy because Sanheim has, has played his fair share of right D, including including some time with Provorov, actually, a couple of years ago. They, yeah. For half a year, they were together as a pairing, and Sanheim played the right side and played some pretty good hockey. So it doesn't have to be a right side guy, but I just think uh, ideally that's what the case would be. So you could you could potentially have at least two uh, your left, left shot, right shot pairings out there. It's great if you can have all three like the Flyers had a couple years ago. They might be able to do that with uh, Braun as your third pair guy and then, you know, and whoever they would add on the second. So I think that's one piece of it um, for, yeah, they want to add, they'd like to add, a, I think, a two-way center. And if they could change the mix a little bit at wing, that that's nice too. Um, if you could get a guy for, you know, who, who can add a, a little bit of offense, but also, also a little bit of tenacity and grit and, and size and, and things things of that nature. Uh, you know, I think Wade Allison, they already have a guy in, in house who can provide some of that yep. because he, he he played at a, a pretty solid level, both for the Phantoms and Flyers, but he still is kind of unproven and he still has his own set of injury issues that you worry about. Even this past year, he missed the first couple months uh, due to due to a surgery. He got hurt early in training camp, but he has an injury of he has a history of missing time going all the way back to his sophomore year of college. So, you know, I, I hate to say here's your exclamation point, but that's a guy who could come in and play a solid role. Um, Tanner Lazinski is another player, two-way player, potentially, who can step into the mix. Um, Scott Lawton, you know, the flexibility of either plugging him in at third-line center or plugging him on a wing or fourth-line center. Um, I don't, you know, you and I last time we talked about names like uh, Philippe Deneau. And Deneau 
I think would be a tremendous addition. Mm, I talked about a two-way, yeah, as a two-way player, as a guy who can come in and, and play his own end of the ice and not score a lot of goals, but help help make you a harder team to play against. I think, I think those that's the direction the Flyers are looking for the remaining moves. So, yeah, I'm going to leave the Tarasenko part of this podcast because I'm sure it's going to be asked in our Twitter question. So we're going to get to Tarasenko. So everybody just hang tight because this looks like certainly a possibility. You and I have talked about it uh, on Flyers Daily before. Let's uh, real quick build the expansion list uh, for the Flyers. With that uh, void left by Nolan Patrick, that leaves a spot open for the Flyers to throw some protection. A lot of people thought maybe it would be James Van Riemsdyk who they would protect. That wasn't the case. They leave James Van Riemsdyk exposed and they protect Nicholas Albay-Kubel, so they take a uh, a lower salary player and protect him, perhaps with the thought of maybe getting Seattle to take a higher-priced player in expansion, but ultimately they end up protecting Albay-Kubel, Couturier, Giroux, Hayes, Konechny, Lawton, and Oscar Lindblom on D. Ryan Ellis slots into that Phil Myers spot, Proveroff, and Sanheim, and then Carter Hart's the goaltender protected. And now the Seattle Kraken have 72 hours uh, to submit their expansion draft selections to the NHL Central Registry and the PA by 10 a.m. on Wednesday. And we'll find out the results of that coming up Wednesday evening uh, on a televised special on ESPN2. Uh, but, you know, are you surprised that the protection went to Albay Kubel? And was that the motivation behind it to maybe force Seattle's hand a little bit and take uh, either Agassi Spare, JVR, or Jake Vorchek? Yeah, I, I think that that's exactly it. It really had to do with. Uh, Cap strategy. Uh, Albay Kubel is a lower salary player. He, he, you know, sometimes he's the kind of player that an expansion team will jump on and take. He showed some potential as a bottom six forward in uh, not this past season where he took a step backwards, but the year before that, even some offensive upside, physical game, you know, not making a lot of money. He's only signed through next season. So if you had the extra spot, you know, the, the Flyers want, want to steer Seattle towards taking a bigger cap uh, a bigger cap player off of them. And the reason for that, I mean, quite frankly, is just uh, their own operating capital in the offseason. Um, if the Flyers were to lose Goss to spare, for example, uh, then they would be, I think it's plus 910,000. So in other words, the Flyers would have 910,000 more of cap space if Goss to spare is the guy taken. With the combination of the, the of trading Myers and uh, Patrick and losing Gossip Bear, they'd have nine hundred ten thousand more in cap space than they had when they made the Ellis trade in the first place. So they would actually, you know, be actually plus from where they started, having already had their first pair of defensemen in place, and they're therefore they have more money to work with uh, to fill other needs this offseason. And if you go down from there, if you would go down to an Albay Kubel or a, or even a veteran type like like a Justin Braun if they were to say okay well it's some veteran leadership for a year I mean you can't protect everybody so but I I think that I think ideally in just just in terms of cap management JVR or Voracek if you could if they would take JVR with no sweeteners and I don't I I don't think the Flyers expose JVR with the intention of offering sweeteners I really don't no um so either you know Voracek Voracek quite Voracek quite possibly might might require that, but it's it's like here's you know here's JVR if you want him, take him he's he's on the list and that would be seven million extra in cap space so that's that's really why that was done. Yeah, and you can see a scenario here where Seattle selects a player to flip in a deal too, yeah. 
um, th- that we saw this, in, you know, 2017 with Vegas doing that and creating, a, you know, finding a way for Seattle to gain even more draft capital and more assets. It's it's, a, it's the smart thing to do. I was a little taken back by one thing Chuck Fletcher said the other day, and it was in a good way. Uh, he said that he's talked to uh, Ron Francis at, uh, at nine plus times. That's a lot of conversations. Yeah, and, and I'm sure they've talked through a lot of different scenarios. So, okay, uh, if you take X player, you know, from whatever team, could we work something out to flip that player here? That might be one scenario they talked about. Um, if we expose so-and-so, you know, would you think about taking him? And if the branches say, well, that would depend on, you know, what, what else you might send then that you talk that through. So I think I think there's been a lot of conversations about a, a lot of different possible players either going to Philadelphia via Seattle or going maybe Philadelphia to another team via Seattle or being taken from the Flyers. And I mean, there, there's uh, – so, I, I mean, I, I think it's good because I think the Flyers have to have as many irons in the fire as possible. That's why, although I wouldn't in many ways be thrilled that the Flyers lost JVR because you have – there is a replacement cost that's involved. Yep. I think you have to you have to be open to that possibility in terms of what other directions you might go in the offseason. When you lock yourself into one thing is where you get in trouble because that, that doesn't work out your way. Yeah, a couple of the other players that will be available for Seattle, uh, kind of more, uh, you know, bigger names. Obviously, you mentioned uh, James Van Riemsdyk, Jake Voracek, and, and Shane Goss is spare, but a guy like Robert Haig is, is a guy that they may be interested in. You mentioned yeah. Justin Braun could be another one, so uh, we'll see We'll see how that plays out uh, coming up on Wednesday evening when we uh, that the new Seattle crack and the inaugural team will be uh, introduced in a lot of ways. Um, a- any surprises around the league? I mean, I know Carey Price uh, waiving his no-move clause to make himself eligible for the expansion draft. Initially, I thought well, there's no way they're going to take him uh, with everything considered and considering the $10.5 million cap hit for five more seasons. And, you know, Price knows he's not going to get moved there. Um, but upon further review, it, it is something that Seattle's going to heavily consider. There are some health issues with Carey Price as well. Um, and you thought maybe Montreal just did this just to protect Jake Allen because they didn't want to lose him for nothing, and especially with Price's health being a little tenuous. And he's going to be in New York this week to get his hip looked at. Uh, but any any other ones drop jump out at you, including Carey Price? Well, uh, I mean, uh, to me, it was interesting that uh, the Tampa Bay ended up going the four and four route and who they protected because yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's there's Killorn's out there and, and Pilata's out there. Now that's a player who I I would have some interest potentially being flipped to the Flyers. Yep, it, because that's a guy who was Tampa Bay's second leading scorer. But he's also a proven two-way winger, and uh, he, he, you know, he brings so uh, a guy who's gotten Selkie Trophy votes in multiple seasons too in his career. That's that's a guy who checks a couple different boxes for you. Um, so that's you know that's a guy I think a lot of teams would have interest in. Now for Seattle, uh, they might have interest. They might they might be willing to take a guy like Johnson just because Tampa Bay's made very clear they'll sweeten that. they'll sweeten that they possibly even considerably to get. To get his three remaining years at five million off of their books. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that that surprised me a little bit. The one that really just just was a head scratcher, and it's not a big name. I don't understand. Um, I don't understand what Pittsburgh and Toronto did with Jared McCann. Yeah. Um, you know, and what they did, what happened was Pittsburgh traded McCann 
to Toronto and then Toronto exposed it. And first of all, I think there's a pretty good chance that McCann is the guy that they, they take off of Toronto. Um, if Pittsburgh was afraid of losing him, they really got very little value in return, a seventh round pick and a really, you know, a kind of minor prospect. So it they, doesn't they were, seem worth the paperwork in a lot of ways. It, it, it really didn't. And you can only lose one player, and you can only mm-hmm. lose one player once. So they're, they're, they essentially lost McCann, and they're going to lose another player on top of that. So I don't, I didn't understand that from Pittsburgh's side. And I guess, I guess for Toronto, it was just a question of, you know, you you expose McCann, and that way you don't lose somebody else you didn't want to lose. You know, I, that's really the only that's really the only other way I could see it. I know, I know that when the Flyers played Pittsburgh this year, McCann was a pain in the neck to play against. He was, uh, you know, he he bit the Flyers a bunch of times this year. Not sorry to see him from a flyer standpoint lead the division. I think he's kind of an underrated player, but I didn't. I didn't really see it from other side, uh, either side. I really thought Toronto was going to protect him when it comes to the deal was made. Yeah, one that jumped out at me. And I wouldn't mind seeing the Flyers get involved here. Is Mark Giordano? No, oh, yeah. Well, there's your. Well, there's your uh, other leadership. Now, the only the only thing is is that, you know that. Uh, I mean, maybe he isn't your big physical presence guy. He competes yeah. like, like hell, but I mean, you know. I, I just, I just thinking, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that that certainly is another highly skilled defenseman. Then maybe you, maybe look for the third, you know, I don't know, a third pairing thing. But I mean, the, that would make the, I don't know. I mean, that Giordano is a really interesting name. Yeah, what uh, a Norris in 2019. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, he's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a player and a hell of a leader. That would be another, another leadership guy on the back end, another character guy. I mean, yeah, that, that certainly, there's certainly is a lot to be said for that too. Um, I don't know. I, I before before the Ellis acquisition, I would have said absolutely. Uh, now I, I don't know. I mean, would that would that fit in the whole picture of, of making multiple moves? That would be another another big obligation. Yeah. So the hell of a player. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, you know, there were some head scratchers around the league, but uh, there's just a few of them. Let's get some Twitter questions here, Bill, because the people are chomping. Uh, they are very excited, which is great to see. Even on Twitter, very little. Uh, People not uh, with a high approval rating of the deal. But let's start with uh, Puck Therapy. He says, now that the team has addressed the need for a top-pairing guy, what do you think the next biggest item is on the wish list? He said, for me, I'd say a shoot-first guy who can score from virtually anywhere, then a second-pairing D, and a bottom-six guy with sandpaper and a nonstop motor. Is that a fair assessment? Um, so do, do you think the the wish list for him said the first thing is a shoot first guy shoot first ask questions later kind of guy like Vladimir Tarasenko uh, we both agree that that's pretty important for this team oh I agree um, and that's that's really that's really you know it, it's all about the mix of players you know I, I, I've found myself a lot lately uh, telling people listen you know Jake Borchek is a quality hockey player he He's had a good career here where the, the plus is significantly outweigh the drawbacks. You know, no nobody there are very few perfect players out there. Uh, Jake certainly is not a perfect player. But uh, but if you look uh, in the entire NHL over this period that Jake Voracek has been with the Flyers, he is number six in the NHL in assists over that ten year period. You know, he's a very good setup winger. That that's what he is, that's what he does. Um, you know, there there are there are times particularly where Jake can be a real difference maker when he drives to the net, when he, when he makes his mind up, he's not going to get taken off the puck. You know, he has uh, ups, his ups and downs as a two-way player. Sometimes he makes some nice back-checking plays. Other times, 
you know, he's, he's not as nearly as effective offensively, and he, he can hurt you at times that way. But I think Jake has had a very good career here. So, so anything that involves Voracek moving out is not because Jake cannot play or because he doesn't care or, or any of those things. I mean, Jake's personality is what it is, that he's a, you know, he's a shoot from the hip and sometimes maybe uh, speak first and, and think later kind of guy. I mean, that, that's fair. Jake himself would tell you that, that he just, yep. you know, he just reacts to the moment and then he calms down. But I mean, well, he I, hasn't I, declined either. His game hasn't declined, in my opinion. No, it, it really, it really hasn't. Even, you know, the Flyers have just been able to, particularly in 1920, really able to spread the wealth a little bit more. That's really what it's been. Yeah. Um, you know, he, the, nobody had a good power play year this year, this year for Philadelphia. I mean, even Giroux, we talked about his 5-on-5 numbers being as good as they were, but his power play numbers being way, way down this year. For whatever reason, the Flyers just had a really bad year of the power play this year. But at any rate, Voracek, you know, Voracek is a, is a pass-first guy, and um, Giroux is a pass-first guy, and Kevin Hayes really is a pass-first guy. And if Morgan Frost makes a team this year, he's another pass-first guy. And, you know, you, 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 look, you look around the line, they have a lot of guys who prefer to, to pass it than to shoot. Um, Joel Farabee has gained a lot of confidence in his shot. That's, that's one guy. Um, JVR is, is a good shooter and in, in close. And uh, he's another guy who's, you know, who'll make a nice pass here, you know, in a lot of plays too. So, uh, but I think that, I think the Flyers do need that shoot first mentality player. Absolutely. There's a piece of the mix. No um, so that's, that, yeah, that's, that's where a guy, that's a guy where if it were to work out that the door check, comes out and Tarasenko comes in, then you are getting the shoot first guy. And there's a lot of trade-offs, fascinating trade-offs as, as I see it. And I don't, and I'm not saying it would be a direct trade. I don't know how it would work out, but it just, but if that's ultimately how it works out, that Tarasenko would come in and Voracek would, would go out. Well, you know, you're, you're trading a, a pass first guy for a shoot first guy. You are, Voracek is a couple years older, um, but Voracek is also healthier. Voracek has actually, over the last several years, outproduced Tarasenko, not just in terms of total points, because Tarasenko has missed a lot of times, but also in terms of points per game. Voracek yep. a little bit better, not, not you know, not radically better, but slightly. But there, you know, there have been some years here and there where, where Tarasenko slightly outpointing Jake too. So you're getting players who, whose ultimate point total will end up about the same, but they just they just get them in different ways, and. You know, the other trade-off is that Voracek uh, makes a little bit more money than Tarasenko, but they're but kind of comparable. I think about seven hundred fifty thousand more. The biggest thing is that Tarasenko has one less year on his contract, so it's two instead of three. Yeah, so and, if it wor- and if it works out with Tarasenko, you extend him too. He's only twenty-nine, so right, right. yep, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And you know, you know, it's funny because you know one of the things that you see a lot of times is well, Voracek and Drew they don't make players around them better. One guy's number one over that period of time since Jake got here and assists in the NHL, and the other guy's number six. And if assists aren't an indication of making a player better around you, I don't know what is, but <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I digress. Uh, RJ Smiley tweets in and he says, if Seattle takes one of JVR or Voracek, do you think the Flyers try to trade for Tarasenko? We just talked about that. Or do they shift the focus to Jack Eichel or Dougie Hamilton? I would have to think kind of the way I, my feeling is the way this offseason will play out is that Eichel's not one of the guys in their plans, and now Hamilton is not either because the cap hit is just too big, and that's why they opted for a guy like Ryan Ellis to allow them to check more boxes. I would I would agree, um, you know, and I don't think that uh, I don't think 
if Sam Reinhardt is on the move from Buffalo, I don't think he's going to end up in Philly either. But uh, yeah, I, I think the Flyers, as we said, are going to they're going to try to address third line center, you know, changing the mix at wing and uh, maybe a second pair defenseman. Uh, Dougie Hamilton would would get you, you know, in that that really high cap hit range where you really couldn't do anything else. Uh, you're probably probably looking to move out of defenseman at that point just to just to be able to, to keep your your salary structure kind of in balance a little bit. So I I, I think that. I don't think the Flyers ever really thought that was going to be a way they were going to go. And, you know, with, uh, with Eichel, I mean, we talked, we talked about injury risk with Ellis. I mean, Eichel, Eichel's a, another guy who has a lot of uh, injury concerns, but in his case, you know, in his case, although he obviously is a much younger player, you know, how, how long is this going to linger and, and will he, you know, how will he come back? I mean, it's a, uh, it's still, still kind of an open-ended question with, with Eichel. So I don't, I don't see the Flyers going in, in that direction. No. Yeah, and, and the package is just going to be so. Oh, yeah, 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 it's going to be ostentatious. <laughs> and and if you know if something happens and, and the player can't return, then uh, you're decimated at that point. So um, yeah, I just don't see either of those kind of you know being an option at this point for the Flyers. I think they have other ways to to kind of fill this roster and improve this team. Uh, Flyer Lama tweets and he says a lot to be done. Uh, love to see Savard or Larson as the second pair right D. Who might be affordable as 3C at this point, or is that now Morgan Frost? Thanks. Uh, so let's start with um, right D and David Savard or uh, Adam Larson. Do you, both we both like uh, we both like Savard. Uh, do we both like uh, Larson? Oh, I, yeah. I, I didn't like Larson as the as the partner for Provorov. Me neither. I'd be, yeah, I'd be thrilled with Larson. As- is your second pair right side guy though, uh, you know, good shutdown guy, physicality, blocks a ton of shots. I think he's going to resign with Edmonton. That's the latest I heard. Was it sounded they were optimistic of getting Larson extended. It's kind of gone back and forth, you know, testing the market versus resigning him. But I think it sounds at least the last I heard. Ultimately, it sounds like Larson is going to stay put. So, uh, but I, I think Savard would be would be a good fit for what the Flyers are, are trying to do. Still a guy who can play 20 minutes a night. You don't have him on the top pair. You know, uh, if you look in in terms of block shot leaders over the last five years, he's in the top five in that group. Um, you know, in in the past, he was a guy who played on the power play, and probably not at this point in his career. But uh, you know, but he has a, he has a heavy shot from the point. But you, you really, you know, you're adding, you're adding that element of, of sandpaper and, and grit on the back end, and it's a nice More character too. I was gonna say, uh, and I thought, I thought even though he was only getting about about 14 and a half minutes in, in the playoffs and the finals, I thought he played really well for for Tampa Bay and then the supporting cast role for them. So that that's a guy who, uh, to me, still has some good hockey ahead of him, and uh, you know uh, that that would be that would be a nice piece to add, and I think I think he would work well with Sandheim too. And then you have the luxury of having Braun on your third pair, assuming he's not the guy who goes in the yeah, And the thing with Savard, too, imagine if they get him, they get Ryan Ellis, they get Savard. This Flyers team is all of a sudden going to rival the San Jose Sharks of Joe Thornton and Brent Burns for the most Beard. beard. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. 
I mean, there's some big beards going on there. Uh, <laughs> uh, the second part of that guy's question, and, and Rob Rock also asked it. He said, with you know, Nolan Patrick on and us already solving our biggest need, is it more likely that Morgan Frost is not traded now? Uh, is Morgan Frost, uh, you know, the plan right now, Bill, heading at this point, pending something further happening for the 3C position, maybe in your opinion? Is he ready to make that jump? Well, he seemed like it at the end of training camp last year. Yeah. That that that's really that was really an unfortunate unfortunate situation last year. We'll ne- we will never know if he would have taken a jump in the way that Joel Faraby did during during training camp. Frost played really well. I thought he had a very similar training camp to uh, to Faraby. If you remember, it's funny. It's back in January and how the se- how the season goes. You know, training camp ends up being an ancient you know ancient history. But both of them were making a lot of good plays, being in the middle, scoring chances. Neither guy could put the puck in the net. And during during training camp, but no, there was never a question of the hands. And then ultimately, of course, Farabee had a breakout season, and Frost got hurt and lost for the season. And now it's been a long time since Frost has really played hockey. He he got in a what well, I think it was his second game of the season. It was yeah. the second, second shift. Of, yeah, <laughs> second. Yeah, so I, so it was early, it was early in his second game that you you lost him for the season. And of course, the season before that stopped in March. So. It's really been a long time since since Morgan played. Um, you know, he was an AHL All Star as a rookie, scored in his first two NHL games. Had to get has to get stronger. Probably still has to get a little physically stronger. Has to get uh, you know polish up his two way game a little bit. But there's a there's a very high skill level of Morgan Frost. I mean, you know he, he he's a player who can put the puck in there or especially set guys up. He's a very good playmaker. So. I don't think they're going to pencil him in as their as their third line center or on wing because he they did experiment with him a little bit as a winger too, but I think he's going to have a shot to win the job. Um, I think right now I think the default third line center unless they add a guy you know a, a free agent, I think Scott Lawton would be the the guy who would currently hold that spot and maybe maybe if Frost has a big camp then Lawton goes back to a wing, but I think Frost is is part of the mix. It's not impossible. They would be traded, but I do think that uh, Patrick getting dealt makes it a little less likely. They're not going to move Drew back to the center position. I don't. They. I think they really want to avoid that if, if at all yeah. possible. He, yeah. he played more center this past year than they, than they wanted, or really, he wants to play. Yeah, at the, at this point in his career, uh, he wants to be opened up to to really kind of you know be be a playmaker and be a big big part of you know the offensive end of the ice without so much responsibly. Uh, responsibility defensively, so um, I'd like to see him stay on the wing as well. Um, Eli tweets in and says, at Standard Salami is his uh, handle. That's an interesting one. He said, out of the following right-handed D, which could you see fitting best at 2RHD for the Flyers? He said, keep in mind, cost per acquisition contract, if free agent negotiation difficulty, obviously this hinges on Seattle, it taking either 25, 93, or 53. And here's the guys he listed, Bill. We mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Savard, he mentions Manson, Giordano, who I mentioned, Schultz, Larson, Montour, uh, Barry, uh, Demers, and Rasmus Ristolainen. Any of those guys jump out on you? We've talked about Ristolainen before, and he certainly uh, provides a lot of that uh, sandpaper and physicality. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I like Manson quite a bit, too. Um you know, if he's if he's healthy, um, both both in Ristolainen's case and in Manson's case, they're guys you'd have to trade for. Uh, they both have a year left on their contracts, and you'd be looking 
you know, potentially needing to extend too, because they'd be unrestricted in a year, which can be good or could be bad. But, you know, the, uh, I don't think the acquisition cost would be prohibitive for either of those, for either of those players. And, and as you, you know, that Giordano is actually out there, you know, out, out there in the expansion draft, um, all, all quality players. I, I, I would look at the guys who, who bring the, the size and physicality, you know, that, so we mentioned wrist line and that's that type of a player. Um, wrist to me is a guy who Buffalo has never really used the right way. I, They're Buffalo. I, yeah, Buffalo. It's Buffalo, right? But if, but he he has struggled as, as a shutdown guy for them. If you, if you look at his offensive versus defensive zone starts, and I know I know his analytics are ugly, right? they've always been ugly, but he's playing on Buffalo starting sixty five percent of his shifts in the defensive zone. How how good are anybody's analytics going to be doing that? And yeah. he, has, he has his own you know he has his own sets of issues sometimes with decision making and coughing up pucks and those kind of things. In more of a support role, uh, I think I think he's a I think that's a sweet spot actually. Like a four of the four or five defensemen on a, on a really good team, and I think you'd see a different player. So I would I would be open to that. Um, you know, it's always better if you can bring in a player without having to trade something for him. So that that's really why I think Savard might be the, the sweet spot for the Flyers. But uh, you know, a lot of those players, other. You know, some some of the guys that he mentioned are more offensive-minded defensemen. Some are a little bit on the smaller side. Uh, I, I think with the the Ellis acquisition, they're looking for looking for for bigger and physical would be the the, the characteristics. Yeah, not just bigger, but bigger and physical. They're they're you know you can be big. Uh, right. Dougie Hamilton's a big man, but right. he doesn't play a physical game. Uh, let's get to one more here. Uh, Kelly Blase or Blaze tweets in and says, uh, now that we've addressed uh, the top pairing right shot right D. He goes, I think uh, backup goalie is the most important hole to fill along with the second right D position. He goes, uh, do you think we'll get a backup goalie via trade or UFA? If trade, what do you expect the price to be for Omar Corposalo? Thanks. Well, Omar is actually a free agent, a UFA. Corposalo would be a trade, obviously, with Columbus. Um, but, look, backup goalie, I don't even know where it fits in, in the pecking order. It's obviously important, and it's an important position uh, for them to fill properly center or anything else, it's going to be filled because you have to fill it. And the answer is not likely in the organization. Um, where do you think they go here, Bill? Uh, are you hearing anything in regard to the goaltender market? Uh, in terms of the flyers, it's been, I think it's been pretty quiet. I think they're weighing it's been overshadowed, off. right? Yeah, it really, it really has been. And it's, a, it's such a key spot too. Um, you know, because even, even if he, you know, is is in a backup role, and let's say Carter Hart plays fifty five games. That does a lot of starts for the for the other goalie. You know, over the course of the season, you're going to need him to be effective. And Carter Hart also, even if he he plays well and gets gets back on his game, you know, he's been hurt every year so far. At some point, missed some time. Nothing serious, but enough to take him out for a little period of time. So you're going to need another goalie who's going to be able to step up and, and play in those games if you are without Hart. Or, you know, if you hit a little bump in the in the road during the season, I, it, it's a very important position. I mean, I'm personally an Allmark guy. I, I think that uh, I think playing behind a really bad Buffalo team, we're back to Buffalo again. I think he's done a really good job without a lot of recognition for it. Um, he's a guy who's still in his 20s, so I'd be comfortable, you know, comfortable potentially pushing hard for you know for, for playing time along those lines. I mean, they're they're 
You can also go for a, more of a traditional backup, an older guy. I don't really have a feel for where the Flyers are going to go on it. I think they're, I think they're weighing a variety of different options. I think they're open to, to accomplishing it either via trade or via free agency. I don't think they have a specific target in mind. At least I haven't heard. Of it. Yeah, it is amazing. Allmark's numbers and, and this past year, we know how bad Buffalo was, right? Um, he had nine seventeen save percentage behind that team and a two six three goals against average. He ended up with a record of nine six and three for Buffalo this past season in twenty games. That that's almost stunning. <laughs> it really is. I mean, his career save percentage uh, for all of his years in Buffalo, and he's been there six years. He's played one hundred and seventeen hockey games. Uh, he has uh, has a record of fifty forty seven and thirteen, and his career save percentage again. These are all with Buffalo. None of them have been good teams uh, that he's played on. Nine twelve save percentage and a two seven eight goals against average. I mean, th- yeah, it's exactly, impressive exactly. for a twenty seven year old. Exactly. I think I think there's a lot of underrated value there. I, I've seen a lot of games with Buffalo where he hasn't won or he's lost in an overtime or shootout or they've lost, you know, they've lost in regulation even where he was really what was keeping them in it because when Buffalo unravels they tend to really unravel oh yeah so that uh you know a lot of times he was left to defend for himself in a lot of ways so you know yeah i he he would personally be the player of greatest interest to me but i think you know other team he's in other teams radars too so you know i whether whether he's the guy the flyers get or not i don't know but but he would be personally the guy i'd have the most interest in yeah, I absolutely would as well. Uh, Corpusalo is another guy that uh, the guy who tweeted and mentioned, Kelly mentioned, uh, but we'll see if uh, that's a fit. Talking to Kevin Woodley, it's not necessarily a fit from what the Flyers gave up last year that that speaks to the assets of his game and where he's good, but uh, they're hoping, obviously, Chuck Fletcher's mentioned it, to shore up a lot of those things defensively to ultimately do exactly what Chuck Fletcher said, which is lower the goals against average and uh, spend more time, obviously, in the opposition end as well. Can't be defending as much as they were this past season and expect to survive it. So, And, and they didn't survive it. Uh, Bill, this was awesome. It's going to be a crazy week. We'll find out Wednesday evening uh, what, uh, uh, what the Seattle Kraken are going to look like, which is going to be fascinating as well, and then where things go from here. Last thing for you, I mean, uh, we're, we're seeing reports from guys like Pierre Lebrun and Elliot Friedman that, and, you know, dropping uh, – some some thoughts from some executives that they're talking to that this is going to be a ton of movement coming up in the NHL and there's already been a considerable amount. Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt. And I, I think that because because of the flat cap and teams needing to move good players, you know, the, uh, an astute, proactive general manager might be able to, if he can work the cap out, improve his team in a hurry. And you know, I don't know what the Flyers are going to be able to do from here on out, but I, but I do find it encouraging that there sure seem to be a lot of a lot of names that they're out, you know, out there banding about. So it, it's going to be not just Philadelphia, but league-wide, a whole lot of interesting things going on over the next week or two, and it's actually nice to actually be able to talk about potential hockey trades, trades and acquisitions. You know, the draft is fun. I love the draft, as you know, but. Uh, you know, being able to talk about the NHL level—that's really, that's really where it's at. Yeah, and it's the draft week on steroids. The expansion draft Wednesday night, we'll find out, and then the NHL draft on Friday and Saturday. It's going to be a crazy week. Real quick, I, I forgot to ask you about this. Would, would you take consider taking a run at Quick? He's been left unprotected. I, I don't, I don't know that Seattle will take him. He's got uh, what two years left on his deal, just over five. Is that a guy you consider maybe trading for if uh, he's not selected by the Kraken uh, with Los Angeles or? 
I mean, possibly. Uh, you know, L.A. has just not been very good in recent years. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, Jonathan Quick's resume you to take the backseat to nobody. And, you know, that's the guy who's been an elite goalie in the league. You know, how, how much is Familiarity with Kim Dillabaugh there, too. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, Dillabaugh, of course, was the developmental coach there uh, a number of years ago. So those two know each other. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that, that, that's a fascinating potential route to go. I didn't really get some quality starts for that team this year. I was surprised at his level of play at times. Yeah, I I was going to say that. I I mean, it looks to me like there there is something left in the tank with him. How much would be left in the tank as a guy who would would push and extend? I don't know. But uh, but but if the Flyers clean up a lot of the things in front, I mean, you could certainly, you know, you you could certainly do do a lot worse. uh, You know, that, that a guy who's had the Stellar career as he has. I mean, it's, it's another name to consider. Nothing else. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is one of the things that Elaine Vigneault mentioned last year when he was giving a little tough love to Carter Hart was I want him to compete. I want him to compete hard, you know. And it, maybe Carter got into a little bit of a mode of at some at one point with having very no social life and living by himself, and you get into that mode of maybe sulking a little bit. Nobody in this game that I've seen in the last twenty years as a goaltender competes has competed at the level. Of Jonathan Quick, I mean, he come every goalie competes, but he is on a different level of competing to make saves and battling for pucks. I mean, it's so it'd be a great mentor in that regard. Oh, no question. And uh, you know, I mean, he's he's been a pioneer in the game. If, if we ever did an episode on that, I mean, the reverse VH really took off because of Quick and the success that he had. I mean, he's he's had a major impact in the league and on his position. I and mean, again, he doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody. Yeah, he did. Uh, did the, the RVH actually developed by a woman in Sweden, and uh, he he started to adapt it. And not soon thereafter, every goalie in the league and every goalie in youth levels and collegiate levels are all using it as a result of the success he had with the LA Kings back to back or not back to back cups with two cups in uh, four or three years. So uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, this was awesome. It's going to be a great week. It's going to be a fun week, and the off season's underway. Flyers uh, grab Ryan Ellis in that trade for Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick. So, everybody, uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled this week for all the breaking news. We'll be bringing it to you on Twitter. Bill will at Bill Meltzer, myself at Jason Mert. And uh, check us out on Wednesday's episode of Flyers Daily. Thanks for listening. The video game